Hey everybody, Merry Almost Holidays, or Mid-Holidays, depending on your holidays. It's the Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm looking at Doctor Who Lego stuff now, thanks to Annie. <laughs> um, so I, I I can say that Annie got me a belated uh, Christmas gift. Well, I, well, no, a belated birthday gift that has now turned into a Christmas gift. Uh, which, how mm-hmm. did you pull that off? Because your, your birthday gift to me took some time in planning, too. It's not like you just, like, bashed together my birthday gift. Because uh, I'm I'm the unfortunate soul who my birthday is only like three weeks before Christmas. And so I feel bad because like that kind of forces people into like double down gifts for me, which that's why I never expect birthday and or Christmas gifts from anyone because that, that's a little asking a little bit too much. Uh, but Annie went crazy for my birthday. She gave me, uh, yeah, it's 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 a Lego case. Like it's, it's like a clear uh, display case. It's kind of shaped like a giant Lego brick uh, that you can use to display Lego figures in. Uh, but the time and money consuming part was the fact that Annie made two custom minifigures of me and her, uh, which I'm sure you had to like scour Bricklink for those parts. Um, Bill, that's very... Okay, Bill, this is the truth. I'm going to shatter your... Oh, no! Your, your reality now. Yeah? Um, I wanted to get you this Lego Doctor Who set because they they released it, like, right before your birthday. Yeah. And I was like, perfect. That's perfect. And uh, I saw it for sale on my commute into work. And by the time I got into work and could actually place an order, it had sold out. Oh, no! So... I was like, fuck. So I went ahead and back ordered it because sometimes they say it's unavailable when it actually is. Yeah. And I was like, well, we'll see when it shows up. So I was like, oh my God, I need to get something for Bill's d- the actual day. Because, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to not let that happen. Well, that so like, fully. Yeah. Well, I I didn't want to. I didn't. I wanted to have something oh, to give you. So um, we uh, went to <laughs> uh, we went to Bricks and Minifigures, the one in, here in town. Okay. And I was like, oh, and I saw the display case. And the thing is, is that Lego had made a minifigure display case before, but it wasn't really well made. You had to kind of like it was really hard to put things in. You couldn't put taller minifigures in there. Oh, that's weird. It, yeah. You couldn't stack them. It was bad. So this is kind of their revamp design, where it's easier to open, easier to place figures in you can put taller figures in there and you can actually stack them so i was like oh i gotta get that for bill because like i at home i have a bespoke lego display case for benton because i have so damn many i have over 100 bentonites but i was like this will be perfect because i imagine bills all bills dusty little minifigures because i I have especially now that i've got all the um i got all those halloween minifigures um actually now i've got the lego star wars advent calendar which you know you have it comes like a little mini basic uh like a super stripped down little lego mini kit for every day of the month of december and so even just from that that means i've got like 31 they're not uh, only some of them are minifigures so some of them are also like last night i built a tiny little uh uh, lego star destroyer so it's not a minifigure it's something i wouldn't put in the minifigure display case but it is like it does still come with like there's like a jawa and an ewok and a stormtrooper so i'm still getting more and more minifigures every time i crack that thing open and yeah yeah, so this is like that's super appreciated but then annie was like i tried to get you the doctor who set but now i'm just gonna it's just no it's gonna show up for christmas instead of your birthday and i'm like oh my god this is annie you're crazy <laughs> but yeah, I, I hate to bring it to you bill but i made those minifigures of you and me using parts that i have yeah anyway. but still <laughs> but still they're ben parts they're parts that could have been used for other figures you still made a sacrifice is all i'm saying you're very sweet, my friend. I did give you my one and only light brown beard. Yeah, you so. mentioned that on Twitter, and I was like, "That's that is a sacrifice from Andy because Andy." That's a genuine sacrifice. You know how I feel about yeah, beards you, you, and Lego. That's some real bloodletting <laughs> right there. Yeah, so no, it's 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 really appreciated. Yeah, and so Andy, right before we start recording, let me know that uh, I guess uh, the Lego Doctor Who set's supposed to be arriving sometime this week, and yeah, we'll do a little gift exchange next time I see you, Andy. Um, 
but that's super fucking cool. But I can totally see, yeah, yeah. Annie's <laughs> been checking out uh, the the minifigures that come with the Doctor Who set to see if there's anything that's bent and appropriate. And actually, all three of them, I could see you could like take all three of them and do something kind of bent-y with them. Yeah, I'm most I'm most intrigued by Clara's torso, but we'll really because that, that that's the out. one that looks the most modern. I I disagree. The cut of the excuse me the cut of um uh the 11th doctor's um jacket is way too modern oh, way okay. way too modern and the 12th doctor's almost but that purple is a little too blingy yeah i uh like clara's torso is would be perfect because i need i have a, a benton has a school teacher oh, okay. and uh, i've been trying to find the right torso for her which is funny because she's a school a teacher struggle. on the show oh is she yeah She's a modern day. Oh, I vaguely remember that from the one episode I saw. Well, for the first season she showed up, she kept on showing up at all these different time periods. So, like, one time she was, like, a bar wench, another time she was, like, a fucking Dracula or something like that. But they finally... I think I saw the one where she's a governess or whatever. Or something like... Yeah, she was, like, an old-timey governess, but they... There was a wholesome kind of timey-wimey shit, but they eventually settled down and made her a modern-day school teacher smack dab in the middle of London. And that's essentially her school teacher outfit. Um, That's funny that you kind of picked up on that. Not, not, not that she necessarily looks like a school teacher, but it's funny that you were thinking about using her as her, uh, cannibalizing her. Uh, man, I I can give you Claire. That's fine. I, as long as I can no, 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 her. no. I will uh, do not. I'm going to. I, I just wanted to see her in person yeah. and make the final analysis, I, and uh, then I'm going to buy it on on a uh, fucking bricklink. I'm one of the few people in the whole world who actually kind of doesn't hate Clara. Actually, on the TV show, yeah. so I wouldn't mind having a minifigure of her. Yeah, exactly, um, Bill. Don't you even joke about cannibalizing? Yeah, Claire, yeah. She actually just she just left the show like two weeks ago too. So this is completely time appropriate. Um, <laughs> Oh man, they must be kicking themselves because now they could have like a new campaign. Yeah, yeah. This is this the set's already outdated because like the week this the the, the set came out, Clara left the show. Um. Anyway, yeah. So how you doing, Annie? That's a big bad world of manufacturing, my friend. Uh. At least at least they didn't. Ki- they kind of spoiler for Doctor Who. They kind of killed her, but they kind of didn't. It was really weird. But I kind of I feel bad for that actress. She got slagged because everyone hates her character, but the actress who played Claire, she put so much energy into that role. Um, and if you ever go back and watch Doctor Who, you might want to watch some Clara stuff just to see more of, because like, the actress was really good, but yeah. Yeah, I liked a little bit I saw for She him, put but... in, she was really game for that goddamn show, but yeah, so. Doctor Who. Hey, Bill, what else you been up to this week, my friend? Man, what have you been up to this week? What's been uh, what you, what you, what you, what's uh, up with you? Literally, all I do is play Fallout. That's all I do. <laughs> Still, nothing else. <laughs> well, dude, I've, I've so, I, I'm like 176 hours into that game. It is I'm, also you know. December. It's nesting time. It's also, yeah, like, if you find, like, a comforting thing to do, this is a good time to burrow, uh, burrow down and just do that and nothing else. I almost bought Rise of the Tomb Raider this week because I was you, like, <laughs> "Did you?" But I, you would have been the first person to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm in, I'm enjoying my time with Fallout so much. I'm like, I'm gonna buy this and play five minutes of it, and then think, "What's my tin can husband doing yeah. in Fallout?" Annie, and go play that. There's so. a Microsoft store downtown Portland. If you go down there. You'll be the first person to buy a copy, and they'll, they'll finally have a chance to, like, drop the balloons and bring out the parade. <laughs> like, yay! We sold our first copy of Tomb Raider, Lies. Yeah, boo, boo, boo. Um, Which is a shame, because I saw that it was getting pretty good reviews. Yeah, no, everyone says it was really good. It's just, you know, it just got totally usurped by fucking uh, Fallout. So you did beat Fallout, mm-hmm. though. Well, I mean, I finished the main well, story of Fallout. Fallout yeah. But saying, that, saying that's beating Fallout is like saying, you know... It's like saying you finished the never-ending story. 
It's like it's like if you eat uh if you have if you have like a dinner and you just eat the entree and you're like, "Oh, that's it." Yeah. It's like, "No, there's you're having steak and potatoes. There's potato there's a shit ton of potatoes." So, how many Bill, I have I, ha- I maybe like a hundred and I, I'm in like six, I'm at six days and 20 hours. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but I only have like two thirds of the map explored. If that, I bet you it's probably less than that. Well, did I tell you about how I found out that the PlayStation 4 counts anytime sense spent in rest mode counts as playtime? It does not if you're paused and you're in the save menu. Oh, well, fuck that then. Because now yeah. it's like telling me I've been playing for three and a half days for like, you know, got like 72 hours or whatever. And I'm like, I played like 12 hours. <laughs> I've not yeah, played it's, that much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just not when you're in the save menu. And I'm always in the save menu when I set into rest mode. No, okay. I know what else. Um, oh, yeah, we forgot about the ultimate holiday that's happening this week. It's, it's just Star Wars. <laughs> You know, I am surprised that the world has not been as obnoxious as I figured. Well, it would you don't be go onto Twitter. If you're online social media, that's been terrible. I don't go onto Twitter. That's right. How's it been? <laughs> how's it been in the rest of the world? In the rest of the world, it's been surprisingly quiet, is what I'm saying. And oh, really? all I do is sit on Twitter all day. Well, you follow, you follow good Twitter. You're not following nerd Twitter literally every day where I'm on Twitter. It's just yeah, sure. everyone, especially this weekend, because this is the last couple free days that most people have before Star Wars comes out. So it seems like everyone in the world is doing a rewatch of the Star Wars movies. Or at least it's funny because most people are talking about how they're rewatching all three Star Wars movies. And I just love the phrasing there. When it totally just, you know, they're not even thinking about mm-hmm. the prequel stuff. They're just like, yeah, all three mm-hmm. Star Wars movies. Um, so that stuff's happening. Uh, what else did I do? Oh, I... I just finally finished <laughs> almost the only thing in terms of media I've ingested in the last month. I've barely talked about this on the show, uh, but I, I mentioned that a little bit about this a couple weeks ago, but uh, I got the new Apple TV and the Apple TV has this channel called Pluto, which is just aggregates uh, YouTube, uh, like online video content. And they really? have a Mystery Science Theater channel, which just shows nothing but uh, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes uploaded by the mystery official Mystery Science Theater 3000 channel. And so, uh, with the Kickstarter going on and everything like that for the last mm-hmm. month for Mystery Science Theater 3000, that's kind of been the only thing I've really been watching. If I've had the TV on, I've kind of just defaulted to that. And so, I have watched a metric fuck ton of Mystery Science Theater 3000 in the last month. Uh, the nice thing, too, is and I'm not just rewatching old episodes I saw like 20 years ago. Um, they're sh- like because half the stuff they're showing is Mike Nelson stuff with Pearl Forrester, and that's the stuff I really hadn't even watched until about a month ago when I started when I watched a couple Pearl Forrester episodes for my for my other podca- podcast, TardyPartyPodcast.com. Um, hey, you said it right. <laughs> I think so. I, at this point, I'll say it wrong just to drive Daniel crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's funny that I just decided to pick uh, some Pearl Forrester episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 for our podcast a month ago because that was like two weeks before they announced the Kickstarter was going to happen, before they launched this, uh, like, and before I got this Pluto TV. And so now I've watched a quadrillion Mike Nelson Pearl Forrester episodes of Mystery Science Theater episodes, which I'd never seen before. So a lot of this stuff is new to me. So that was kind of fun to watch. And uh, I kind of wrapped everything up because they just, uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Kickstarter just ended on Friday uh, mm-hmm. with the live stream of more episodes. And um, uh, part of the live stream, too, was 
uh, Joel uh, Hodgson, you know, the founder and original host of Mystery Science Theater, he was down at Meltdown Comics in L.A. Uh, hosting Man, a bunch Man, I watched, of- like, four minutes of that. It was a tire fire. It was <laughs> fucking, yeah, it was, it was, like, uh, it was a children's lemonade stand on fire. <laughs> it was I mean, it was, it's hard to do that sort of streaming stuff, especially ad hoc, but still, Yeah, when buddy. you tuned in, what did you see? Uh, I tuned in long enough to see... Patton Oswalt and him talking, and A, there's nothing that's going to turn me off more than having to look at Patton Oswalt and listen to him in general, but, um... I'm really uh, not a Patton Oswalt fan? No. okay. Uh, what goodwill I had for him has been lost over the last year or two. Why? What happened? Uh, He's an asshole. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's an asshole. He he likes to feed the trolls. There's a certain sort of self-effacing dude that's so self-loathing, it's not cute. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was <laughs> and, a couple uh, people on he's... Twitter who were like, you like Patton Oswalt? And I was like, wait, when when did everyone start hating Patton Oswalt? I, I have no idea what what's happened, but it just seems to be this assumed thing of like everyone hating Patton Oswalt now, and I... No one's been able to articulate exactly why I should hate him, but okay. He's 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 just been an open dick in a couple of recent things where it's like, oh, dude, okay. log off, you know, okay. like that sort of shit. Well, I don't follow him on Twitter, um, so if if it's been some kind of Twitter kerfuffles and online kerfuffles, I haven't seen any of that stuff. Yeah, you know? and uh, like he was once he was enormously rude to this one woman during a comedy show he did. So oh no, that was kind of was the start of the end for me. Oh no. Anyway, yeah. uh, uh, the um, <clears throat> the uh, yeah, the and their their mics were off and. And scratchy and it was just yeah it sounded really like the, there was some kind of interference happening where it sounded like the ocean kept on rolling in while, while the, mm-hmm. the while they were trying to record and um they kept on trying to like even basic problems like trying to cut away to other clips uh the clips wouldn't roll or if the you know pre-recorded clips they were showing clips from the old mystery science theater 3000 episodes and even like when those episodes those clips from those old episodes were airing uh suddenly the the mic feed from inside the meltdown comic studio would kick in and kind of override the sound of the clips that you're supposed to be watching and all mm-hmm. just kinds of like yeah it, 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 it the funny thing is the live stream went on for, for six hours and it never got better throughout the whole course of the six <laughs> hours it just kept on like getting all fucked up to the point half the entertainment was just watching to see how bad this the, the live stream kept on uh continued to be um but that was still fun it was funny because i actually thought pat oswald was kind of like the highlight of the whole live stream because he was riffing off of people's twitter questions and stuff like that um but yeah i had no idea he was a tire fire of a, of a bad person now um, uh, he is. He is a. I'll say he's a controversial figure okay. at this point. Oh man, in, they in did announce. Media. Was it that Ernie Klein, who wrote Ready Player One, is also going to be one of the writers on the new show? It was kind of conflicting. Like a lot of people going, "Oh man, I love Mystery Science Theater 3000," but half the people that are getting involved with this are just like, "Ugh." <laughs> um, yeah. So I saw a lot of people reacting to those announcements this week. Also, they, they announced a bunch of random people are supposed to have cameos on the show which there's like jerry seinfeld and other people were like why what did they have to do with mystery science theater 3000 or i don't know that's uh, we'll, we'll see what happens but but they did raise yeah, a billion uh, like a shitload of money though so yeah they reached like 7.6 million was it or was it 8.4 with their off ca- it wasn't that much too? they did raise they barely beat veronica mars as the most well-funded like video like media thing um yeah they raised i think it's like six point it's like six million and change um enough that they needed 5.9 million for 13 episodes uh no for 12 episodes and they bumped it up to like six million to get like 13 episodes essentially the 13th episode was going to be like a uh 
uh, Turkey Day special, Christmas holiday special for next for next Thanksgiving, and then they were like, "Well, mm-hmm. like we we beat that too. Whatever whatever else we get now for the, like the last like half hour of the the Kickstarter and of the live stream, we'll just put towards. We'll make a fourteenth episode. We'll just do keep on adding more episodes, more uh, money people throw at us. So yeah, they got like a, just a hair over uh, six million, and yeah, so they've got fourteen episodes lined up. Which yeah, people are still complaining, but like, how why would it cost six million dollars to create thirteen episodes of? like the cheapest looking show in, in, in TV history, but um, they did a good breakdown about it's like... It's a Kickstarter. People love to complain about Kickstarters. Yeah. That's like the internet's number one hobby is not understanding how money works. And they were very <laughs> good at planning that Kickstarter in terms of like rolling out new rewards, like literally like every two days they were coming out like, okay, we've added this. There's a new tier for this. Uh, we got these celebrities over here. It was they Joel Hodgson obviously spent a lot of time and effort putting together that Kickstarter. And even at the show, uh, the live stream, even though it kind of was falling apart the whole time it was going on at Meltdown Comics, you could totally see Joel running around trying to keep everything, all the plates spinning, uh, to the point that they had, um, who's the lady who voices the best character on Steven Universe? The lady from Garfunkel and Notes. She voices uh, the donut lady. Sadie? Sadie! Uh, she was singing a song from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and she was like had like a little card that she was present, uh, presenting Joel Hodgson. And in the middle of presenting her card to Joel Hodgson, uh, she was like, oh yeah, we just, uh, you guys just crossed your goal for like 13 episodes. You finally, like, your, your Kickstarter is technically now complete. And this had happened like minutes earlier, but Joel Hodgson hadn't heard about it. And he was suddenly like, wait, what? Oh my God. He was like, <laughs> he was so like, oh, this is great. He's like, he was he was so busy like watching the live stream trying to make sure the live stream wasn't falling apart he wasn't paying attention to how much money they earned and he was all like super happy that was just a very cute moment um, it's cute it's the i i like that dude yeah uh my favorite uh my favorite observation for the night was a uh, friend of the podcast kelly nelson was saying how she was on the live stream and at some point everyone's freaking out and uh uh someone commented hey guys relax it's just a show oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, that's I mean, what else are you going to say about the whole thing? So that happened, and I can finally watch something that's not Mystery Science Theater 3000 now. Now that the Kickstarter is over, I can break free of watching the final sacrifice for the 10th time. Um, what else did I do? Not much. Like you, like, there's not much going on. It's been, there's such a quiet... Um, oh, this is the other thing I did this week. I did. I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or went into detail, but uh, for my birthday, Dylan got me a the annotated Little Women book. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This is part of that series of annotated children's books. They they have like the annotated Wizard of Oz and all kinds of stuff. And I was reading that. That's a good fucking book. Um, not just because it's Little Women, because I've you know I've freaked out about Little Women on the podcast before. Uh, but the this I, I can't. Did I talk about this last week? Maybe I thought about this this enough this week that it feels like I've already talked about it. But uh, whoever put this book together, they wrote this great preface, uh, a very lengthy preface, too, just talking about, like, what sets Little Women apart from other children's uh, uh, books and also just children's books of that time and everything like that. And they do a really good job of articulating why I like Little Women so much. I'm reading this preface going, yes, yes. That is why I like this little story. Um, they go off into about how um, it's yeah, it's one of the few children's books at the time that's about standing your ground and not running away to a fantasy land, and it's about dealing with reality right. and actually about growing older and f- being disappointed in life. But it's still like yeah. a teachable moment where it's like even though the whole point of the book is kind of like even though 
life may kind of turn against you and you don't get what you think you're going to get out of life. It's still your duty to try to be as kind to people around you so you can at least try to make other people's lives good and stuff. And I was like, yeah! And they actually, at one point, they actually uh, compare Little Women to Peter Pan, where it's like, Peter Pan's all about running away and irresponsibility. And I'm like, that's funny, because, like, I love Peter Pan and Little Women so much, and Peter Pan is just about just running away and yeah. irresponsibility. They are kind of nice bookends to each other. Yeah, and know? Little Women's just about being kind of, like, cool and generous and pious and people growing up but both of them are they do but the both stories do kind of hold women up on this ridiculous pedestal of like what the perfect woman should be because like you know peter pan's all about how all women are mothers and mothers are fantastic and women are just here to help and heal you and without the presence of women we all turn into men all turn into monsters and there's a little bit of that in little women a little bit too about how women are like kind of like you know like the the, the kind of like civilizing force but sure I don't know. you mean it's a story that's been told in the last 2000 years i know exactly <laughs> and especially like children's <laughs> literature of like the 19th century there was a lot of that shit too but it's still yeah, it's, little, it's, but the best part too is the, the little women annotated book is also filled with recipes from the time <laughs> they actually um oh that's great whenever like any whenever any one of the little women I just gonna call them the little women. They like they, they, you know, whenever they talk about how they're making something, they actually just in the in the notes they print whatever would have been like the leading recipe for that of the time, which is funny because like half the measurements are like take two nutfuls of flour. Uh, you need two cups of flamble blamble. <laughs> like what the hell's flamble blamble? And like I don't know, but it's great that they have they're they're reprinting all these recipes from like 1865, like Civil War era recipes yeah. for stuff. Yeah, um, which I thought was kind of cute too. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah. it's a good little book. I like that thing. It's really cool. I I really want someone to do an annotated Robin Hood because it's the only way you could make Howard Pyle's Robin Hood readable is by interrupting it every man. <laughs> every Annie, other, if you had publishing context, yeah, I would say you'd be the person to do that because you're the only one. You're one of the few people in the world who, who actually knows enough to write an annotated uh, Robin Hood book. Me and Stephen Knight that would be it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we uh, do man, because I can imagine like well, the, one of the nice things about the annotated Little Women book too, it's like richly illustrated with uh, not only pictures from like the first edition and all kinds of different editions of the book, but you know it's. It's it's illustrated with pictures from like all the different like movie and TV productions of Little Women, um, but yeah, you'd be great for like just like finding all the best Robin Hood art and just not even the text notes, but like the pictures and everything like that. Man, that'd be shit. yeah, because that's really my number one favorite thing about Robin Hood is the illustration. Hey, would that be it. like I know you've talked about writing a Robin Hood book in the past or something like that, but actually the annotated Robin Hood would not be the worst place to start. I don't know it'd what text you would annotate. Well, see, that's the hard thing about Robin Hood, because the nature of Robin Hood is that Robin Hood is always being redefined yeah. by every generation. And what Robin Hood is to different people is very, very different from generation to generation. So it's hard It's hard to say what is Robin Hood canon. Yeah. It's kind of de facto become either Howard Pyle's unreadable text or, oh, what's his name? Well, see, that's uh, what was this guy named, like, like what, yeah, what... Green wrote a much more readable one in, like, the 30s. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that would be the hardest thing, it's like uh, the nature of Robin Hood is like okay well this is a children's story uh -huh. but our first records of Robin Hood are as an alias for criminals and you know <laughs> it's like and originally he was kind of just a murderous bastard and then they just kind of tacked on robbing from the rich and then they kind of tacked on giving to the See, poor I would to read about that, on all this so well you can read uh, many excellent books about it including Stephen Knight's Robin Hood history thing. you've always talked about writing your own book but like you couldn't figure out like, <laughs> like kind of a structure for it but if you could just have this one like text a riff off 
off of. Even if it was just a, st- a picture storybook of Disney's animated sexy Robin Hood and just had oh, notes saying, oh, God, Bill, that really made me uncomfortable. What, Disney's sexy animated Robin Hood? <laughs> I'm just saying, that. hey, Mary, Mar- how you doing? No, no, thank you. Um, I still love Claire uh, Hummel's realistic Maid Marian. <laughs> That's just a fox in a fucking dress. I um, love, I lo- yeah. Oh, poor, poor Claire Hummel. Um, no, the, don't say um, anything. Poor Claire Hummel. She's super talented, and it comes from a family of Disney Imagineers, and she's man. And she has to deal with every asshole idiot on the internet. <laughs> she can just unplug the internet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was exactly. yelling at her the other day about she put up some new illustration this week and I was like how the fuck are, are you not in charge of designing everything at the Disney resorts because uh, like I think her dad actually worked as she I think he was like a Disney artist or Imagineer or something like that and so she grew up with the parks and oh it was something for um, she got asked to design we're talking about Claire Hummel uh, on Twitter she's Shumla with an H at the end uh, she's a great fucking fantastic artist and uh, there's something about how she was asked to design some kind of logo for some kind of, like, Hawaiian dance club. And she did this great, like, lady dancer, kind of like Lilo and Stitch, kind of like, you know, hula dancer, but, like, her hair's on fire. And just fucking, man, she's one of the best artists I've ever seen in my life. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, stuff and things. Yeah, have her help uh, illustrate the annotated Robin Hood book. <laughs> Is there an annotated? Actually, you know what? They've done so much stuff. I'd be kind of surprised at this point if they don't have an annotated Robin because they've done kind of everything else. I went looking for it, but it's like I said, there's no real canon, so it's well, hard to. Well, that's what I'm to... saying. Yeah. Well, there's annotated Robin Hood text, but there's not like part of that series. Man, I should email them yeah. to see if that's actually what they're working on. Say, hey, you know what you need to talk to? You need to talk to Annie Maloney. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Thanks for putting my getting me an in, as opposed to the one dude who's actually a professor at some university who is literally the go-to Robin Hood expert for but the last twenty. And he got years. enthusiasm that makes for everything else. I like to think I can take Stephen Knight in a fight. Who so. is Stephen? Knight I don't want not to. The guy from the video games. You fought like uh, werewolves with Tim Curry. Gabriel Knight. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, you're thinking of Gabriel Knight. No, Stephen Thomas Knight is this dude who wrote a really good, really, a couple of really good books about Robin Hood. Actually, the go-to books about Robin Hood. So Okay. He he owns he owns that uh that corner. So Well, but you could you can muscle in on that territory as well. So. <laughs> um uh let's see what else have I been up to this week. Yeah, Fallout Fallout 4 is interesting because uh the Fallout 4 uh end state is kind of um you know it, robin uh, like fall, the thing that's interesting about fallout 4 is that you know the fallout games are not so much about have never been who cares about the story they're all games that are about the journey and what's really interesting is that fallout 4 is i feel like the um uh, bethesda rightfully so the story doesn't want to upset the apple cart of the status quo of the world yeah which is for the best because really um that's always been the one of the weaker parts of a bethesda game is when the status quo changes there are all these assets in the world that refer to the status quo like for example when you beat the when you choose whatever side at the end of skyrim like you still have people at the end bitching about the other side yeah i guess we're going to talk about this might be slightly spoilerific for the end of the game even though we're not going to talk about story specifics but just mechanically yeah i I, I could be pretty oblique i mean every every game ends and the whole 
nature of endings is that things change. And I'm just saying I'm I'm pretty impressed with Fallout 4 because they're it's the game that's the least interested in change yeah. because they know that ultimately this game is not about this linear narrative as much as it is about your experiences in the moment. Well, it's about also- like coming across a death claw in the night and, you know, like finding a like a cave full of synths and yeah. like well it is interesting because you, know. you know like you it's like you know video games like this you always have this like you are saving the world kind of story and at the end like you'll do something that will that is supposedly at least on paper supposed to do something that's supposed to change the world and but mechanically like you know you can't like revise the whole world to take that in consideration so things are still exactly. kind of static and so it's kind of even though like you can be the hero of the wasteland you've done this amazing thing like, I, I don't even know what the end of the uh, Fallout 4, but, like, that's how Fallout 3... Well, that's, like, how all video games work. Like, you've saved the world, you've destroyed this thing, but nothing has really changed in the world because we can't go back yeah. and suddenly, like, yeah, just rewrite everything. Just be... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so I'm, I'm kind of... I'm kind of proud of them for leaning into that, you know? Because, really, yeah. that benefits them best. If for You're no proud of reason, them for not what? even trying? <laughs> Well, no, because I mean, it's better to just lean into that reality yeah, than yeah. to try to have it. Like, as I hated that about Skyrim, that like for me, the world had changed and it had changed for no one else. Yeah. It felt awful. It really kind of spoiled the whole experience for me. So I would much rather them uh, lean into that than try to deviate. Which is funny because you were talking about. Did had you been in the game last week? I can't remember. I think you did, or at least you were getting uh, I don't close. Know. I was getting to the end there. And right but, after uh, we recorded last week, I found it like, on NeoGAF, there was a video that was being passed around a lot about this guy talking about, um, he, this guy's a big Fallout fan, but he was talking about how Fallout 4 is a great game, but not necessarily a great Fallout game. Oh God, you linked that to me. And I was like, Bill, did you just send me a 41 minute YouTube video? I thought it was interesting. Cause I, I, it was funny. Cause like, I haven't played much of the game, but I was kind of curious to see, cause everyone was, was linking this around. Everyone was kind of like, kind of in agreement that this guy was pretty kind of right. Um, but yeah, he was talking about the end game. Spoilers for the end of Fallout 4 a little bit. No, I don't want it spoiled the end of Fallout 4 because... Well, not story spoilers, but like, I was kind of (sighs) surprised. Really? Well, I mean, what, 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 you were surprised? That there's only four endings in the game. What, how many ending, what is, what is the correct number of endings? Well, and I guess in all other Fallout games, at least, you know, there's not, well, that's one of the things they fucked up with Fallout 3 was where they came out, like, a year before Fallout 3 came out, they are like, we're gonna have 18 quadrillion endings. And really, there was only, like, two endings to the game. The only thing that was different, like, you got a couple different title cards to kind of showing the outcomes of some of the quests that you've, you you, you know, you've partaken of uh, over the course of the game. Right, right, which is, which is what something from Fallout 1 and 2. Yeah, and this guy was grumping about how not only are there only four different endings that the endings are just chosen just uh, whatever ending you get is just chosen by whatever faction you choose to align yourself with at the game and then there's Mm -hmm. on top of that there's no title or no uh end cards showing you like there's no like here's your here's the shape of your character's quest throughout the game there's no it's not as personalized as the endings for other fallout games and then i was really also surprised to find out that really the whole ending of the game is based off of whoever you arbitrarily decide to uh, decide to align yourself with at the end of the game too which i thought i thought even for fallout again this is only like the third fallout game i've ever played that did seem to be uh kind of kind of bare bones to me a little bit or at least arbitrary that like not even the fact that there's just four endings but that would just be tied like you can do like your decisions in the game have no uh bearing on the ending aside from like like it's just boils down it's almost 
I, I, this is really reductive, and I shouldn't say this, but almost kind of like in Mass Effect 3 where you just kind of like the ending just chooses, it depends on which door you choose at the end. This just kind of relies on which faction you choose at the end. Uh, again, I haven't played it myself, but this is what a, a lot of other people who have beaten the game are kind of saying, oh yeah, this this guy's articulating something I felt disappointed in. Not that everyone's like slamming on the game. These are people who like the game who are still like, yeah, but hopefully the next Fallout 5 may be able to do something different than this, but... I See, I, I, I understand and I respect that uh, perspective. <laughs> they, at Here's the UN right now, yeah. I'm going to observe this. Okay. All these people who have this opinion are really boring to have sex with. Okay, okay, that's, yeah. Well, that's why I wanted your <laughs> opinion about this, to see how you felt about that. If you think that the only part of sex that matters <laughs> is the part where you ejaculate, boy, howdy, you are really not fun to have sex with. Okay, okay, okay. Because um, that's, I mean, that's kind of the perspective that it boils down to is that, I mean, and this is something that I have struggled with with games over the years, and I've had to kind of recalibrate how I, you know, how you process games. Because I don't think that games, I, I, I can count. I mean, I cannot think of many games that have a really good ending, yeah. you know? Like, that have a really, really good ending. Like, if you held a gun to my head and say, Annie, what is the best ending of any video game? I remember being impressed by video game endings, but I cannot think of a one. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is that who cares about the ending? Like, the ending is... is, is I don't know. You know there are some completion. amazing video game endings out there. I guess that's really more of a personality litmus test than anything else, yeah. But, I, I mean, but my point is, like, the the thing, the best part of Fallout has never been when it's over. Yeah. When it's done. That's not... And, and especially with the endings, when you say, oh, they're linear, they're, like, not... You, the implication you're saying they is don't that, reflect oh, it's the, by jur- the choices you've made throughout the game is what people seem to be uh, well, complaining about. But when you pick a faction, you're making some pretty dramatic choices. Well, and that's what this guy said because he was talking about how it's weird that like the end, you, what happens to you at the end of the game does not reflect any moral choices you made throughout the game, except that the ultimate moral choice is who do you align with yourself at the game. So technically, yeah, it is actually the ultimate moral choice, but it is just very binary and it doesn't necessarily have to reflect anything else you've done in the game. You could suddenly like, you could, you could play as like a fucking synth hating monster at the end of the game, but then at the end, very suddenly align yourself with the railroad for some reason. And I don't know. So I like, yeah, I I haven't played it myself, but like, it was interesting because I've heard a lot of people grumbling about how much, they even if they liked the game, they thought there were some problems. And this is the first video I've seen kind of articulate what I, it's what most, sure. most, most people seem to be grumbling about in a way that I was like, okay, I can kind of see why people are kind of rough. yeah. So anyway, and it, it's just interesting because I can't help but wonder what these people value in a Fallout game. Yeah. Because I always feel like the morality system is one of the weakest parts of a Fallout game, was... and I really liked that this game kind of shucked it. Yeah, and that's one of the like points some... in that video. Did they was there a morality system in Fallout Three? Uh, like I believe so. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not like a Mass Effect thing yeah. where it's like you have a goodometer and an evilometer. I find that stuff really reductive, and they they largely strip that out in this game for kind of a general oblique faction alignment system, yeah. and to some degree they have it in a really reductive um, and simplistic like companion favor system. So like maybe you can steal, and it's fine as long as you get away with it. But if the companion are with dislike stealing then that you know that is a bad thing i've seen or, people complain you know. about how hot they think piper is but piper hates everything that they do so they just, <laughs> they essentially just want to see they just want to hate fuck piper where <laughs> they're like you're hot and see, you're fun say, but goddamn stop at the judging end of me the day yeah. granted i really think that the 
uh, Fallout 4 romance system need is very simplistic and needs a lot of work. It is the a pretty transparent reduction of like a kindness koi sort of system. Yeah. But to me, I find it much more interesting where it's like my behavior is shaped by the person I'm with rather than this overarching perception of yeah. like the like well I don't want my cosmic ethereal world score to be altered you know it's like it's i find that much more interesting where it's like well i'm with this person i mean i i feel i don't do drugs in video games because i feel weird about it because i'm an addict i don't these are games where you can drink alcohol and do drugs and there are benefits for them and i don't do it because i feel weird about it and there's a companion in fallout 4 who likes it if you do drugs (laughs) really And I found myself, I was like, oh, I want to impress this person. When you take a and stim pack, are they all like, oh, yeah, do that again. No, I was, ta- I was huffing jet in front of this person <laughs> to impress them. And that is much more interesting to me than, oh, I, it, it, I mean, it's kind I of like a nice are so riff. stupid. The thing is, is like, I love, what I love about Fallout is Fallout has a lot of dumb things that don't make sense, yeah. but they don't care because it's more fun for it to be in a way that doesn't make sense like it's ridiculous that i can give my dog a missile launcher to carry as well as like 50 pounds of assorted knickknacks that doesn't make any sense but it's more fun for that to happen i like how much they're they're willing to kind of get out of your way but i i don't know i just i feel like the fallout 4 is filled with moral choices that you make all along the way and those choices do shape your world and i guess people are objecting that they they perceive that to be more linear which i can totally respect and it is this game is has a pretty straightforward linear narrative and frankly if you have played a little bit of fallout whatever if you think casually what is the end of fallout it's you're pretty much right on it's not super abstract but i like i kind of like again that it's just they know that that's not what you signed up for i I like the character performances a lot i like the voice performances i like the the little world they've created these feel more aware of their weaknesses in this one and more aware of their strengths and are leaning on their strengths and trying to lean away from their weaknesses a little bit i'm pretty consistently impressed by how it almost seems like the unanimous video game online uh, opinion that like even people who don't like, not, I can't say, again, people seem to be, the general consensus seems to be, again, Fallout 4 is is a good game. People have issues as to why they, they don't think it's necessarily a good Fallout game, but everyone's like, yeah, everyone, everyone seems to be like, oh yeah, I wish this game was a little bit like Fallout 3, but man, fucking New Vegas. That was the best yeah. Fallout game. And everyone's just like, yeah. yeah, maybe I'll just go back to play New Vegas until they patch up Fallout 4 more and stuff. I'm like, I didn't realize. I know, I thought there was a camp of people who really liked Fallout New Vegas. It seems to be coalescing, kind of like how everyone seems to agree that, like, Ocarina of Time is the best Zelda game. Everyone seems to be going like, yeah, New Vegas, that was where it's at. That is the best Fallout game. I'm like, man, maybe I should go back and play Fallout, uh, finish of New Vegas sometime. Holy shit, I didn't realize people loved it that much. <laughs> Shit. New Vegas is is the shit. Yeah. And the reason why New Vegas <laughs> I love how you, is you you're like yeah they're right yeah but yeah it, oh yeah I agree I think it's correct and the thing that makes New Vegas really really good is that it's not necessarily a it is both a really good Fallout game and a really bad Fallout game oh, yeah. and I say that in that it is very focused it is enormously focused and that is its strength it's it's really hard to find a random mission that is unrelated to everything else that's going on mm. in that world. Yeah, I've heard some, like, yeah that, the, that's kind of one of the things I've heard people talk about that game, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's not 
it's not to say that the world is small. It's smaller than Fallout 3, but the priority is more to have a uh, a tighter, uh, (laughs) to totally mix metaphors, a tighter knitted patchwork, (laughs) you know? But, But, I mean, that is a game where you are straight up choosing a faction and that's your ending yeah but it's it's all a little and so on on that to that degree that is something that fallout 4 takes from new vegas wholesale Mm. um the difference is that uh in fallout fallout new vegas it's just all you feel like you are in a very specific place that is all connected and is all tied together but fallout new vegas has the benefit of being like a, a scrapped Fallout Three. It was originally a lot of those characters and stories. Yeah, that was the Van Buren stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. it was written. And they, and they just revisited it and used it for um, New Vegas. Okay. Chris Avalon has talked about this at length. So, I mean, it's good, but Bill, boy, howdy! If you think Fallout Four is unplayably buggy, you can never play New Vegas. <laughs> well, they've had like eight years to patch it now, so hopefully, nope. I can go back to play it sometime. And at Bill, least on PC, let me put it this way: uh, better you should together. totally get it for your new gaming rig. Oh, I got it. Because- Hope, Steam had like yeah. Hope that hope that a modder has patched it because okay. Obl- Obsidian, I can guarantee you, did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Obsidian never gets to finish anything they work on. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, mean, so, I have to admit okay. my yeah. huh. my biggest hope from and I granted I know it will never happen because of how things shook out from New Vegas. The best thing that could happen would be that Bethesda tapped Obsidian to do another. Again, that's what uh, everyone else is hoping. Expansion. That everyone's like, man, Fallout Four could. That's a lot of people complaining about Fallout Four. Like. And again, not not hating on it, but just kind of like seeing room for improvement. Sure. And of course, everyone's like, "Yeah, this is okay, and this we have problems with this game." But yeah, imagine what happens if Obsidian can come back and like what they could do with this. Yeah, and so because it. it's like the the weakest part of a Bethesda game is always that it doesn't even matter if um uh they tell their story like if how good or bad their stories are because the stories are so like such a small part of your experience yeah it's more just about being in that world and just kind of like having yeah so it's it, around, to yeah. have it be more focused i will say this um there was part of the ending of fallout 4 that made me choke up oh, really? that actually made me cry okay. a little bit so and it was the one part that i didn't kind of see coming so when you find out uh, but anyway you find out sean's an old man and you've like missed most of his life and you get to see him like you hold him as he dies breathes his last breath uh, you find out that he's turned into a half tiger person. No, he's, um, he's uh, <laughs> mutated with a uh, rad scorpion. No, I, I talked about tigers and fully got excited. No, okay. <laughs> our new household meme is that Foley has become a late blossoming furry. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, black sad and the tiger, <laughs> hetero and furry. Uh, <laughs> Ga- gadget hacker rich. <laughs> I love the idea of you becoming spontaneously heterosexual, but only for animal men. <laughs> only for animal men. You know, we'll this take Magic Mike XXL and Photoshop, but so it's Tony the Tiger. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, no, it's, I feel, I, I feel like a lot of the criticism I've been seeing of, it's, it's really funny, because after I beat Fallout, like, I was, like, curious what the other routes were, and uh, so I looked into it, I'm like, I can pretty much guess what these other routes were, but I was curious about one, and it was so funny, because I fell down this rabbit hole of people who really love this one faction in the game, and I'm like, this is written by a man, isn't it? Yep. Everyone consistently <laughs> falling in love with one faction? Like, which faction? 
there is a there is a contingent of dude bros online who are. F- I shouldn't talk. About no, this. I want to hear that. Well, at least you know, no one. Yeah, it's fine. I know. I know some people who feel this way. I shouldn't be mean. About so, dude it, bros. Were- so, what? Which fa- at least what faction are we talking about? Even if you're not talking about why people like it so much. Uh, there is a faction of very rational men who really <laughs> love the institute, and it's so funny. Oh it is no! Always men. Like some kind of men who are like libertarian, really kind of like yeah. Oh no! It's like oh man, it's so funny. It's and it's so funny to read these passion things. They're like, I don't see how anyone can morally choose any other route, and I'm just like, oh boy, buddy. Oh boy, buddy! I, I shouldn't even say that much because it's a spoiler. So, okay, so this is kind of like the people who think like so. the, the 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 bad guy in Fallout Four or in uh, Bioshock's a little bit right. Like, kind of, it's like, oh yeah, he, he was right to like try to build an ocean under the, a city under the ground. There is a very particular sort of exceptionalism um, kind of thing going on. Y- yeah, and it yeah. invariably f- boils down to, well, I'll be, I'll fix it. Yeah. It's a, any flaws they may have. It's like I think it appeals to people who. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just want to. I, I, I want a mod for Fallout Four that lets me try to fuck a toaster and pretend it's my girlfriend. And I take it to the sense, and I'm like, "Can you complete her? Can you make her real?" And even the sense are like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" And so you want to final Pam it? Yeah, is that what you're telling <laughs> exactly. me? I need to keep a watch on the final Pam your... too. Um, oh boy. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. No. You know, I feel. I feel like Fallout Four on the whole is an improvement on Fallout Three. Fallout Three's weakest part was its story. I feel like Fallout 4 was smart in how they handled its story overall. Um, even though I can see why people would criticize it as being not a good Fallout game, even as I respectfully disagree, because, like I said, I feel like Fallout games are more about atmosphere and feeling yeah. as much as they are anything else, and I feel like this game pulls that off. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, oh! I, I'm, I'm probably going to play another 75 hours of this <laughs> exactly game, that. even before well, DLC. So, um, Man, Annie... I, I need to see you guys before Christmas starts because we got to eat some Swiss colony. I got some Swiss colony. What you got coming, girl? I pulled the fucking trigger on some Swiss colony. Um, who knows when that's going to arrive because, like, your only shipping uh, the options are, like, I want it now or I want it before Christmas. So I don't know what that means, especially just, like, two or three weeks out. Well, we're only two weeks before Christmas, right? Less than two weeks until Christmas. Oh shit! That shit should be arriving soon. Then it's not shipped, but yeah, I ordered some petty fours and some truffles and some uh, beef log. <laughs> so that shit's coming. Um, I went to Twitter and asked people what their Swiss Colony suggestions were because the only things I've ever had from Swiss Colony were pretty much what I mentioned and the the Animal Friends log we taste tested last year on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, I just got that stuff again. And people kept on saying their spreadable cheeses are really good, so I got a little bit of that stuff hmm. too. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that Christmas is real. This is it. You know how the Christmas is really coming when Swiss Colony is working on your order to ship it soon. So, oh my <laughs> god, I need to send you guys to Texas with some petty fours and stuff. <laughs> um, so do you are do you, are you going to even try to watch Star Wars? You're going to wait until you go to Texas to go see it with your mom. Um, I have tickets for the 20th, the day after. Oh, really? The tw- wait, the 20th? That's like two days after. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I have, I have tickets for the Saturday after it comes out. Oh, that should be pretty good, then. You should have a good... Is it, like, Saturday night? No, I'm going in the morning. I'm not going to fucking pay. Like, it, 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 I'm going to go to a matinee showing in the morning, and hopefully there will be, be just me and, like a few parents or something and uh so that's probably grandma. not gonna happen but okay that sounds like yeah better than better that than messing with the opening night crowds yeah i, I i'm i'm gonna go day after so, so or ex- the saturday after you excited you really don't care what, what's what's your attitude towards star wars now 
I'm looking forward to it. Should it's gonna be. be good. I'm trying to be reasonable. I don't want to get too chuffed. I'm sure I will get chuffed right before it, but I'd yeah. rather I'd rather go into it just expecting to be you know, have an okay. I'm time. just riding high from everyone being so freaked out about Star Wars right now. That's more again. It's high <laughs> for me. It's not even as much about the movie as much as just like uh, some somebody on Twitter last night pointed out. This is it. This is the this Star Wars will never be. No one will be. The general pop culture won't be as excited for Star Wars again in our lifetimes as it is this right now this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Until yeah, because this this is it. Even more people seem to be even though the the prequels are terrible, people seem to be excited. Like the, this is the first time there seems to be really kind of potential in Star Wars again since this is the first time anyone's been able to feel kind of up about Star Wars since since before the prequel started. Yeah, and yeah. also like there's just the geek culture and the internet has grown so much more that like the excitement for this new Star Wars is even kind of like at a even higher uh, fever pitch than it was even for like the Phantom Menace, and this is kind of mm-hmm. it. No, like mm-hmm. aside from this, yeah, no one the the world won't be ever excited again as much for Star Wars as it is right now, which is kind of a funny thing to think. Which you know, it's it's it is just like this Disney produced piece of mass produced pop culture, so it's weird to kind of get the like, mm-hmm. wax. I don't even call it nostalgic, but be all kind of like eh, about it. But it is kind of like me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm excited that so many other people are excited, and that so many people who yeah. haven't watched Star Wars in years, like on 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 Twitter this week, and everyone's like, "Yeah, I'm watching. Uh, I guess I'll rewatch the Star Wars movie for, uh, for the first time in 15 years." And it's that like it's not just hardcore Star Wars nerds, but like normal people are all hyped up for Star Wars now, or at least, like, getting, you know, renewed interest in Star Wars. So, who knows? Sure, the movie yeah. could be terrible. We'll all be talking about it next week, and I'm sure. But, I don't know. The, the, the anticipation right now is actually pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be excited about things, and it's nice to have a shared excitement about things. And also, you know? the, the fact that it's happening right at Christmas seems extra kind of fun, too. I mean, because Star Wars yeah. has always, at least for me, always been such a Christmassy thing anyway, because, you know, Christmas toys and stuff like that. And this is a very unique thing, because you will never get another Star Wars movie like this, like, right before Christmas, too. So even that's kind of like, yeah, because yeah, like, we, we get Christmas... We get uh, new Star Wars one week, and we get Christmas the next, and we get New Year's after that. It's like perfect bang, bang, bang of holidays. It's going to be fucking good. Uh, I feel sad for poor Tina Fey and Amy Poehler because their new movie comes out on Star Wars Day. (laughs) Really? Really? (laughs) Yeah, Sisters comes out on Star Wars Day. I may go see Sisters opening night just to support that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, if you show up (laughs) in the theater on Saturday afternoon, you go... Oh fuck these people! You just sneak into the sisters' uh, showing, yeah. <laughs> oh man, which is funny because you know Tina Fey being a Star Wars fan, she's probably the first person to say like, "Oh yeah, maybe we should go see Star Wars," but then go see Sisters afterwards. Um, yeah, they actually. It's funny you should say that because they did release a video that is basically sums up is summed up by that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's 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 a very clearly a spoof of the interviews with the cast of Star Wars about their feelings on it. Uh, both Tina Fey and Amy Poehler inexplicably have a British accent. <laughs> Really good. Oh man, uh, yeah. I remember right before the Phantom Menace came out, they it was like the first sequel to Austin Powers. Their big trailer was, "If you see any movie this summer, go see Star Wars. But if you see a second movie, go see Austin Powers." So I was like, that was kind of cute. So, 
Oh my god, so that's, that's, I guess that's our, that's, that's, that's our, what we did this week. Portion that's, of this our, week's that's our thing. Friends, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back for the Geek Week in review. I'll be tossing and flossing my style is awesome. I'm causing more family food than Richard Dawson. And the survey said you're dead. Baby flying guillotine chops off your fucking head. Mr. Who is that? Hey, yo, the who is back? Making niggas go bro, bro. Like I'm Super Jack. Me fear no one. Oh, no. Here come the Wu-Tang Shogun. Kill her to her eardrum. Do you think Ain't It Cool News is going to finally update their background? Wow, what's their background? Ain't It Cool News' background, like, the entire time that it has existed, has been a highly embossed version of the shot from Independence Day of the White House exploding. Really? Have you never noticed? It's been like that its entire time. It's been... Here, let me see. Oh, I I thought that was like a picture of... Ain't It Cool News in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've never noticed that. It's been that... I thought it was like King Kong or something. No, it's Independence Day. Son. So, Annie, what's Annie Full? What are your guys' history with the with the Independence Day? What do you guys think about? Independence I Day? saw Independence Day. I've seen it once in my entire life. That sounds about I right. Saw it, I saw it at a sleepover at two o'clock in the morning. Again, that sounds about right. And I can't remember anything from it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right now, my Twitter feed is exploding with the fact that they just. I so I guess that just got unveiled on a football game right now. So yeah, and I guess that trailer. I guess it's supposed to debut with the uh, the Star Wars. Um, oh, there's a big deal because I guess everyone's talking about how like like there's supposed to be like like the new Star Trek is supposed to be getting its first trailer with Star Wars. Like the Star Wars movie is like essentially getting the trailer for the first trailers for most of the big movies next year. Essentially, mm-hmm. everyone's first look at a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, Independence Day, aliens come back. I guess it does take place 20 years after the first one. At least real time has passed. Yeah. Um, it's weird that Will Smith didn't come back for that one, though. Because that's, like, yeah. that's, like, that's like his biggest thing ever. And he was in, yeah. uh, he was in A Shark's Tale. <laughs> but he won't come <laughs> back for Independence Day. Um, to be fair, A Shark's Tale, he probably recorded over the course of four days in his from bed. Exactly, you know? yeah. <laughs> He couldn't be in Django Unchained, but he'd be in Shark's Tale. Uh, Man, did oh, you, oh, also, oh, did you see Pizza Hut c- brought back its new like little crust of the, like little, little cheese slices that you can tear off and dip? I don't know why I'm bringing no. this up now. <laughs> I, I'm, I admit I am not up to speed with uh, Pizza Hut technology. Pizza Hut, I only I, I mentioned this on the podcast months ago, but I just I, I only found out just this last summer Pizza Hut delivers when they started offering their hot dog filled <laughs> crusts. And How I, did you not know that Pizza Hut delivers? Pizza Hut, when I was a kid, it was, it was totally just a dine-in joint. You couldn't even take, I think you could take pizza out, but it was like, they never delivered. Uh, at least in yeah, Pittsburgh I remember, when I was growing up. You know what? Now that you mention it, I remember as a youth eating at Pizza Hut all the time. Yeah. Um, like, I remember going and getting a Yoda cup cover <laughs> at a Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah. Man, I was watching, there's uh, one YouTube channel I subscribe to that just does nothing but just just uh upload old 80s commercials and mm-hmm. last night i just kind of threw it on on a whim and it went through 
It was the Saturday morning debut of the real Ghostbusters in the Beetlejuice cartoon, but it was just the commercials from that morning. And they were like, there was one thing where it was like Captain Crunch. There was a commercial of Captain Crunch where when it came with a toy for like a submarine that you had to fill with baking soda, put underwater so it would like poo pooed along. And I was like, I remember that I had that. And like Fruity Pebbles had like little Frisbee. And I was like, I had that Fruity Pebbles Frisbee. And, uh. Anyway, I don't know why I bring that up other than the fact that because I just ordered one uh, hot dog crust pizza pack from Pizza Hut like back in May, I keep on getting uh, coupons and offers from them for like the most random. They, they keep on trying to come up like they keep on uh, uh, reintroducing and then taking away like different kinds of stuffed crust pizzas they have. Now they just reintroduce. They're putting it back in the Disney vault. Yeah, but like every two months though. <laughs> so they've just re- re- reintroduced like for the fourth time in the six months that I've actually been uh, paying attention to Pizza yeah, like their little cheesy bite crust now, and just like fuck it, it's garbage. maybe they're trying to do like a McRib thing, like to build a sense of urgency around it. But like, if only they like if if they took the McRib for a month, took it away for a month, and then brought it back a month later, and then did kept on doing that over. It's the most like pizza heads out of its fucking mind. Uh, anyway, friends, did you know? Were you aware that this is the Geek Week interview? This is the part of our Supposedly. podcast where Bill notes news in the week that was, and I read it, often learning it. So, for the first time. who's your favorite Independence Day character? What was your favorite moment? My favorite moment from Independence <laughs> Day is when um, I uh, got to have the last of the bowl of popcorn uh, at that slumber party with Sarah Love. Sarah Love? I'm having total recall of this, this sleepover party. It was a friend of mine named Sarah Love. Huh. Oh, what a great name. We watched Romeo plus Juliet on oh, no. Independence Day. <laughs> that is a nice. It's hard to say which I disliked more. <laughs> <laughs> Romeo plus Juliet. That's the Baz Luhrmann thing? Yep. Yep. Don't they call the gun? Which, if you're going to watch it, you should watch on VHS at, like, 11 o'clock at night. Is that the one where, so. like, all the guns are branded, are, like, sword-branded guns? So, yep, in the dialogue, yep. when they say, pick up your sword, it's... I actually like that movie as an adult. I kind of wished that it had, uh, uh, had more an effect on me at the time. Because it's, as an adult, I'm like, this movie is ridiculous and kind of fun. And it does have one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Oh, yeah. I'm probably dating myself I now. saw... But I didn't come to appreciate it until, like, ten years after. Aww. I saw ten minutes once on HBO where, uh, Titanic was yelling at Super Mario Brothers about, pick up your sword, Makushio, at, like, a gas station <laughs> before it blew up or something. And I was like, what? What the hell am I watching? I thought I was losing my mind for a moment. It, it is a movie that will make you lose your mind, even for a Baz Luhrmann movie. Oh, no. Also, just on Twitter, I just saw there's a sale on the Lego Dimension starter pack. is only $60 at Amazon right now for all I platforms. I almost... That was one of the things where I'm like, what should I get Bill for Christmas? I'm like, I should get him the Lego Dimensions. I should get him the Lego Dimensions thing. And then I start looked at it and I was like, no. All that stuff I'm is on sale right him. now. So if you, like, instead of dropping $200 to get Lego Dimensions and all the worthwhile stuff, it's only $150 now. And I'm like, barf. Bill, get it in a year when it's in a bargain bin. Well, no, get it in a month from now when it's a bargain bin after Christmas. Get it, like, on December 28th. You can get it in a bargain bin. Um, See, they're smart, though, because the nature of this is that even if the product sinks, like, the fact that it's Lego will give it legs. Exactly, and, uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of built in. It's not going to drop in value like everything insidious. else does. Insidious. Insidious. Which is, like, I'm still uh, vaguely interested in playing, but, like, the gameplay, it still does not look that interesting, but it is kind of back to the future. Really, it's just the license <laughs> stuff where I'm just like, mur, 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 mur. anyway, what are we talking I know, about? I know, it's kind of about Pizza Hut, Believe it or not, friends. Day Robin Hood. Yeah, did you know, pals, that Pottermore unveiled new covers to the ebook editions of Harry Potter designed by Ollie Moss? 
Uh, between this and the new Scholastic reprints designed by Kazu, it, they may need to pump the brakes on more redesigns of the whole series for a bit. It's interesting that that's your perspective because I thought that this was them. This was kind of their um, attempt to coerce y'all to rebuy Harry Potter every couple of years. Yeah, you know, I just because it's like I, yeah, because how long ago? I mean, I feel like that. Uh, his covers here. Let me see. Were was like a year, a couple of years Kazu's? ago, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I thought they were still coming yeah. out. Let's see, Kazu Potter. This is Kazu Kizubishi. Uh, <coughs> he's the guy who uh, uh, Kibuishi. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I guess maybe that was a couple years ago that he redesigned all the covers for Scholastic. Um, I, well, I, I mean, know they what also else came is... out with yeah. Let's just say, how else are you going to rebuy Harry Potter? Like a book you've already bought well, maybe twice. And I know this fall, they just earlier this fall, they introduced a new version, the uh, the illustrated Harry Potter, where every page has an illustration. Um, again, yeah. this is like Scholastic hard book. Well, I guess this is Bloomsbury, slightly different edition. But And then on top of that, they just announced, yeah, for Pottermore, this is for the ebook editions. Yeah, Ollie Moss designed a bunch it- of covers. I mean, you gotta. It reminds me a lot of um, uh, Charles Dickens. Uh, Dickens was notorious for this. D- Dickens invented the paperback, yeah. actually, because what he would do is he would buy up uh, the um, serialized copies of his books uh, from people, stitch them together, and sell them back to people as a collected edition. Yeah. And then he would actually buy those back and bind them in hardback as like super special gilded editions and sell them to people again. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, great. Charles Dickens would approve of all this. this well, that's good. the thing. It took he wrote such huge books. It took him a bazillion years to write his books, so he had to make money somewhere between books. So it made sense. He just had to keep on republishing and like coming out with new editions of everything. And it is Harry Potter. I mean, that is like the like probably the most popular book series ever made and so it makes sense that publisher would try like you know you're not just going to sit on it you're going to want to keep on putting it out over and over again yeah how do you make it relevant but it seems like every other year they're coming out with a new like here's here's eight thousand pages of material not even like how how much man fucking harry potter must even be more than eight thousand must be like fucking yeah anyway it's that's a lot of that like i mean you did just describe three different editions that's not that aggressive well, that's true harry potter ended what like a decade ago so i guess it's not that bad yeah. it's still i don't know i don't know i mean it, it is totally um uh to be fair it is i mean they're it's pretty brutal business you know they're trying to they're straight up trying to get people to buy something they already own again but that makes i mean that's yeah. your asset that's what you've got dylan you know? pointed out the other day when i was talking to her about this she was like yeah despite all these like new additions they still haven't trumped mary grand prix she's still yeah even better than the british editions of those books he, like mary grand prix's illustrations for both the covers and the interiors for the uh for the american version of the harry potter books is still that's agreed really ha- still haven't trumped that it is interesting the one thing that i find kind of weird about all these things is that those illustrations were such a key part of my experience with harry potter like that was harry potter to me and there's something as much as i love ollie moss and i love these illustrations like having that yeah it would be weird it wouldn't feel like harry potter you know i'm honestly kind of surprised that they haven't put out an edition of the books where they're just illustrated with stills from the movies i know that's not how licensing works that's kind of working backwards but I was going to say, that's a very 1992 philosophy. Welcome to Bill. I just turned 40. It's my job as a white, white 40-year-old man to be like, I got an idea, Schmidt. Let's have an outdated idea that no one really wants, but I think is a good idea. Let's force this through. I have a good idea. It's circa 1993. Exactly. This is a good idea when I was in Yale. I'm a Yale man. What the hell am I talking about? Anyway, um, yeah. 
The guy who wrote Grave of the Fireflies Kerplotzed. Yeah, that's my elegant way of saying that the guy who wrote Grave of the Fireflies Kerplotzed. Um, oh, I should have looked up his name. What's his name? Andy, tell me more details. Um, I have not seen Grave of the Fireflies because I know it would make me cry and Yeah, you don't want... That's... Yeah, no. You should... Yeah, don't... Don't do that. As a self-care thing, I have not ever seen Grave of the Fireflies, <laughs> even though everyone tells me it's beautiful and good. Okay, so this this is Akiyuki Nosaka. He's the guy who um, essentially lived the story of Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fire Grave of the Fireflies was a story that he wrote based on his own uh, life uh, when he was a child, uh, trying to survive through uh, the Japan after Japan was firebombed by the United States in World War II. Yeah, he essentially turned that into a story, and then Studio Ghibli bought the rights to that story and turned it into uh, one of the saddest movies ever made um so yeah he finally died of the olds he was like 98 years old so. finally finally bill says <laughs> well man it's kind of sad because like actually technically Grave of the fireflies the movie i don't know if the book starts the same way well i can't because if it's uh, if it's autobiographical it's supposed to be Grave of the fireflies the movie starts with his character dying hmm which I guess didn't happen in real life because he only just died this week. But anyway, so how you doing? <laughs> uh, oof, Bill notes, the new Tomb Raider didn't even crack the top 10 on MPD sales rankings for November. Hence my jokes about Andy being the first person to buy a copy of uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Ooh, That's yeah. rough. Not even cracking the top 10 on the biggest sales sales month of the year. That is I think that also speaks that how poor the Xbox One, uh, Xbox One's penetration is in the market. Yeah, that this big time exclusive didn't even crack. And it's not for like want of. I mean, that game came out a month ago, and I still see like every time I fire up YouTube or anything, it's still like that. The da -da 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 I will rise again. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. That's the song they have for the Rise of the Tomb Raider commercials. <laughs> I'll rise it again and again. Rise of the Tomb Raider now. Rated E for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Which is it's a good game, but then again, also everyone says just wait for the for like the year of the game of the year edition to come out a year from now on, on PlayStation Four. So yeah, especially mm -hmm. that <laughs> I, I did see people point out that like this actually means a good thing for PlayStation Four owners because this game is sold poorly that they're pretty much obligated to put like all the DLC that people are going to be charged for on the Xbox One for free on the PlayStation Four disc just to make sure people buy it when it finally comes to the platform everyone owns. Um, sure, it's going to be the definitive edition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So hey, that, that's not a bad thing. But man, I feel bad. Bad for man, fucking. I hope this doesn't kill. Oh yeah, Annie, edit those notes like a motherfucker. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope this does not like kill the Tomb Raider revival because the fan that last game was pretty good. It wasn't the greatest game ever, but they could definitely improve on it. It sounds like this game is better than yeah. the last one. So I, yeah, I, I get something from that formula. Yeah. So I'd be sad for it to go away again and again. Now I got that song stuck <laughs> in my head. I will rise. I will rise. Uh, Microsoft published Minecraft on the Wii U, except you can't use the gamepad to do anything but mirror what you're seeing on your TV. No touchscreen, touchscreen functionality for the game at all. Yeah, so this is well. This actually, I mentioned last week that Nintendo was was teasing some kind of big news announcement last week for for last Monday. It turns out, yeah, it was Minecraft on the Wii U, which I didn't realize. That's a good point. Is that Microsoft owns my Minecraft? Yeah, that was the weirdest part of that for me. So this is kind of like Minecraft. This is Microsoft essentially saying the Wii U is such a non-threat to the Xbox that we're fine yeah. with publishing games for the Wii U. We just we stand uh -huh. to make money by selling Minecraft on the Wii U, even though it's a competing system, because 
as as badly as the Xbox One is selling, the Wii U is selling so far less. It does. It's not even a blip on our radar. It's not even a threat. And the, yeah, the yeah. weird thing is, everyone just assumed that like Minecraft Wii U would be like the best possible console version of the game because you'd have that touchscreen, so you can do all the like the item manipulation and kind of like so much of Minecraft is like you'll draw a recipe on the on the on a screen that like with a touchscreen like that'd be perfect because like that's what you do on like the 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 iPhone version of the game is that if you want to sure. make a pickaxe you go to the crafting screen and you essentially draw a pickaxe in wooden blocks and you make a pickaxe and you know all and like just like dragging and dropping stuff and this like Minecraft is such an inventory heavy game and it totally makes sense that the right. gamepad would that that would be that would what ma- would make Minecraft on the Wii U the the best console version by default? See, but, but I think do any of that. I think there you just hit upon it. What investment does Microsoft have in making well, the exactly, Wii U Minecraft yeah. experience the best one? They they you know? said that there's possibility in the future they may update the game, but it was not even like a confirmed like we will do this. It was just like eh, we'll see what happens, so... I mean, I, when you think about it, like, the Wii U and its, let's be generous, 100,000 users in the U.S., <laughs> yeah. like, is it worth it investing that much time and energy yeah. in, in like, improving a port beyond just porting it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I can see why that's they deeply got, It really is kind of, got, we got your money, so what else do we have to do kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it feels like their agenda is to get Minecraft on every console possible, yeah. and that's pretty much it. They're not going to go above and beyond. Man, that's rough. Having said that, though that is a very cynical reaction to that, I, I'm i really sad for all my Minecraft-loving bros who are probably heartbroken by this. Especially the little kids. I feel bad for... God forbid you're a little kid who the only console you have access to is uh, Wii U. But although, then again, if you probably have a fucking smartphone that plays... You know, I was about to say, Minecraft I would be... a thousand other things. I would be flabbergasted if there is a child in this world whose family has a Wii U and does not have an iPad. That would be or, truly some Tiny Tim you know. shit. <laughs> I like how yeah. today's modern Tiny Tim isn't crippled. It's just the kid, <laughs> their only access to Minecraft is on the Wii U. That's like the saddest <laughs> thing you could ever wish on upon a kid these days. Oh, man. Um, a new Nintendo patent for a controller with a touchscreen that covers the entire surface of the controller. Essentially an iPhone with handles. Did you see the pictures of this patent design? No. Uh, no, the, no. It, well, just funny because like patent designs never look like what the final version is going to be. But this essentially just looks like, looks like a like a giant oblong kind of like loaf of bread shaped controller. Oh, weird. With like yeah, the it's it's essentially a flat oblong with like you know controller handles like sticking out the back, but the entire surface front surface of uh, the controller uh, from like edge to edge is a three-dimensional touchscreen. It's essentially, if it's a 3DS, but with one screen, but, like, covering the hmm. entire flat surface of the controller. Hmm. And it actually ha- would have two thumbsticks and, like, buttons embedded in the con- in, in the screen. Not touch... Not, not virtual buttons, but physical hmm. buttons. Like, imagine, like... If, okay, yeah, it really is just, like, take an iPhone, put handles on the back so you can grip it, and then pierce through the plastic of the screen two thumbsticks and a couple like you know like four t- uh, uh, surface buttons so like in between the buttons you still have like a bits of screen that you can touch and manipulate even though it's like it's a really kind of a weird idea um, yeah it's very strange yeah so they they registered the patent six months ago just got published this week and is yeah it sounds like we're gonna be hearing more about what the nx is i would be surprised if we don't hear it by by november more details about some like they'll they'll the the nx will probably be first like concrete details will probably be leaked by the japanese newspapers early next spring and they'll be forced to announce 
more they'll, they'll probably Nintendo will probably have to come out and say okay yeah we, we're, we're okay we are coming out with a system at the end of the year we'll you'll have more details at GDC or E3 but ah so I'll be curious to see if this actually is part of that new system so it's interesting how invested Nintendo is in reinventing the gamepad which makes sense because the whole selling point of the Wii was that it was a different experience yeah. and that it was much more accessible confu- consumers and it's interesting to see them chase that in a different way but I feel like you know it's interesting when you create something that's not a, a controller and it's not a um, touch screen when you, when you invent something new then it's just like a whole new learning curve so yeah. it's not accessible to hardcore and it's not accessible necessarily to a consumer it's just as inaccessible as a standard controller yeah. is it's like i feel like people are pursuing this golden ideal of what is a controller that is hard that is like extreme enough for hardcore fans mm-hmm. and also accessible to new consumers it's like i feel like it's like the steam controller thing all over again yeah. well, be- where it's like i can see why you in an and maybe in a like a very controlled environment would think that this is an improvement, but is it actually accessible? Which is, you know? you're never really, unless there's a rad- radical shift in, in video game technology in the next couple of years, you, like at least within like the next decade, you're not, you're not going to f- design a one, w- like one size fits all controller for every, for all audiences, for all games. Cause games exactly. are, games are such a broad thing now is now more than ever where, yeah, you can't have, you need multiple different devices for different games. That's why you can't create a console that can like play any and all games that has like a, uh, a universal controller that suits all games perfectly. Because yeah, because you have everything from super super keyboard mouse heavy uh, simulation games and, and first person shooters to like super light and fluffy Netso Neko Itsumi touchscreen iPhone games to. Yeah. Like now we're getting virtual reality shit, and you still have the the the, the motion sense, you know, the the, the 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 motion control stuff that's still left over. You know, you know, it's it's I it's it's a good thing that that video games are so broad you can't just encapsulate everything with a single controller. But at the same time, right. yeah, it's kind of like this. We'll see. We'll we'll see if this this is actually a real thing. We'll see what it looks like in real life, but. Yeah, the the patent illustration looked clumsy as hell. Just yeah, because it really is. Instead of Nintendo saying, "Okay, fine, fuck it, we'll make games for console stuff or for mobile stuff," it's like, what if we made it for mobile, but it had bits? But like, what if a phone fucked a normal controller and had bits of a normal controller like mixed in with like a touch? I don't know. It's it's got like one foot in one realm of gaming and, and one foot in another, and it seems to be yeah exactly it's like trying baby. to be a master master none sort of thing yeah, you know so, well we'll see what happens especially since it sounds like this if this does become a real thing this may be this may not be its own like uh, own device into itself it still may interact with some kind of console thing that'll hook up to a tv sure. so who knows what's gonna happen so yeah it's interesting because like nintendo can't win the console race as the best console, yeah, they have they to can. do something. Well, especially else. with this, like, if they that's... do come with the, uh, the NX next year, that's another console they're coming out with that is like in the middle of another console generation. So, like, yeah. by default, they can't really compete with the other consoles because yeah. they're not like, yeah, it's it's. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Nintendo is like so off on its weird little island that it's always yeah. difficult to discern whether or not their next movie is, is going to be a stroke of genius or them running into a brick wall. And I don't think even yeah, they or know. just a stroke or exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in a chair going, ah, ah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh boy, Ugh. oh boy, video games. Uh, new. Actually, I'm gonna. I, I added this. Um. Uh. Because Bill didn't. Um. So. Assassin's Creed Syndicate has uh, 
been talking about some DLC for a while, and the one that they were most trumpeting when the game was first uh, revealed is in an attempt to sell their season pass was they're going to have Jack the Ripper DLC. Yeah. And there is nothing... How can I phrase this? One of my favorite things about Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and I mentioned this on the podcast, is that it didn't really touch, I'll put it obliquely, the problems of being a woman in the world. Like, they didn't deal with prostitution. They didn't deal with sexual assault. Uh, You had a female character who was treated... Yeah. Um, You had a female character who was treated as a peer. And they didn't really other her or anything. Like, these were all the things that I really enjoyed in Assassin's Creed Syndicate. And when they announced Jack the Ripper DLC, I just wanted to... Uh-oh. Every single flip. Like, I wish I could spontaneously sprout more arms to flip them off. <laughs> because I can't imagine that this is going to be a nuanced or dignified approach. What are you talking like, there, about? There's... Like, it's Jack the Ripper. Fuck you. It's like, you, you cannot have something that is the more the opposite but of Andy, my But, this is the company that brought us watchdogs. What are you talking about? <laughs> Nuance. I'm sure it'll be a really new... And, and the more I... So, the reason why I bring it up is that they it's coming out next week. And they oh, next trailer week? for it. Merry yeah. Christmas! They released the launch it's trailer for it. murdered horse. <laughs> exactly. So, th- and they had a teaser trailer for it, and it's just focused... The focus is very much so on the Ripper himself. Um, they released a launch trailer this week where a lot of the focus was on the Ripper. And uh, one of the things that, if you know anything about the history of the time, that Jack the Ripper does not take place during the events of the game. Yeah. So I would, like, during the the time of the game. Like, 1860s? Uh, I I can't, I can't remember. I knew that there was a time gap. And they're like, oh, we're just going to fast forward. And uh, I didn't really think about the ramifications of that. But looking at this trailer, you're paying 40-year-old Evie. In, in this DLC. Oh, she's like fat and unattractive like a lunch lady? Yes. She's like, hey, man, how you doing? I used to cut out four years old. How you doing? As, as cool and like, and how not an issue being Eevee was in Assassin's Creed yeah, and how, this or, is a different in Syndicate thing, yeah. and how good that felt to ha- to play. I, I would never, like if you had asked me a wish list of all the things that I would want in Assassin's Creed game, like I would put play a 40 year old woman at the bottom of the list not even with any modifiers but play a 40 year old woman yeah yeah can you i can't imagine like that is so cool when when was the last time you could think of a video game when you played a woman period and then a woman who was over the age of let's be generous 25 annie they will fuck this up by like turns out she's in a fat suit (laughs) and it's a 40 year old makeup she ate a piece of the apple and now she's eternally hot and 22 years old her and design is awesome. I really like how she looks in this DLC. I, uh, for some reason, Evie as, like, chubby lunch lady lady is <laughs> just cracking me up so much, though. Yeah, let's see. Evie, uh, let's see. She looks really, really cool. She just looks and, like herself um, just 40 years Like She likes, uh, I'll look it up. She it, it breaks my heart that she's in this fucking Jack the Ripper DLC, because I looked at the trailer a couple of times, mm-hmm. and there's so much focus on Jack the Ripper, and there's what? so much focus on how he moves. I have a sneaking suspicion that just like the game, you could play two characters. Oh, no. I'm wondering if those assholes aren't making you play both Jack the Ripper and Evie tracking him down. Jack the Ripper's got a bag on his head. He's a guy with a, with a yeah. burlap sack and a hat on his What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. No, I am so, I mean, I don't, I feel so, 
I mean, I just, I really... You feel so. That's all you need to see. I just feel lots of so's, lots of feels. Yeah, like, just like, oh, God. It is upsetting. It's like, this is not a series that historically deals with women well. And Jack the Ripper is such a weird, gross, sexually charged, nasty thing that has been, like, like that crime, like that crime lit masturbatory fantasy for a hundred years. Ja- Here's PC Gamer's headline: Jack the Ripper DLC cuts up Assassin's Creed Syndicate this month. Christ <sighs> Almighty! Uh, I'm. It's like how you know what this this DLC just needs to be. You, the, it just starts off like you're Evie, and you've just already caught Jack the Ripper, and the rest of it's just like a fucking. A fucking QT event where you're just stabbing him over and over. Not even well, angrily, that- but just you're just using it as like you're just sharpening your knife on his bones. Fucking One of the a. whole thing. I was thinking about that, and of course, my fr- my knee jerk reaction was, "Well, the only way this can be good is if the only way this can redeem that is if you somehow, as Evie, get to well, kill." Well, I'm assuming Jack that's the what they're going to explain. Yeah, how Jack the Ripper suddenly stopped murdering people was Evie steps in. Yeah. But on the other hand, the whole point of Evie in the game is that she doesn't kill. Like, she's not the running guns blazing one. Yeah. It's her brother who is. It's Jacob who is. She's the stealthy one. She's more in, in interested well, in uh, acquiring and preserving knowledge yeah. than she is well, killing. Is not to say that you don't. Know, uh, I mean, it's 20 years. So the parts of her may have changed. You know, yeah. You know, which hopefully they'll oh, explore yeah. that in the story. Like, there will be some kind of, you know. Yeah, I'm no, sure it's going to be uh, some stills, sort of. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be some sort of grim, dark bullshit, but. It's, it's just, I, f- the, my joke that I made on Twitter, and it's so true, this is the most, this is the monkeyest pawest monkey paw moment <laughs> of my life as a consumer. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the next subtitle for this DLC should be Assassin's Creed Problematic. <laughs> no, I'm looking at the pictures of Evie now, and she actually, they did, yeah, she, she looks she like. She looks great. Yeah. Bill, she's a playable character in a video game. That is so cool. It really makes me feel emotional. And it's in a Jack the Ripper DLC. <laughs> I'm looking at some some preview footage. Every time she jumps off a building now, she screams, it's menopause. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This game. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. Oh, she, um, oh, I'll probably stream it. She just, she just jumped off a, 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 a roof, and now she's saying, oi, my knees. <sighs> anyway, Sass Creed's in the game. No, that's Jack- cool. I, know, I, I, I'm only making light. I don't want to make light of this, but I, 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 your heart is going to be. I hope your heart isn't broken. But this is going to be. This is this this DLC. Even if it's good, even if it's as good as you want it to be, it's going to come with so many asterisks on it. It's just Ugh. yeah. I mean, I don't. So that we we riffed on this a lot um, in the past. There was a Polygon article about the writing team at Ubisoft and how that department is called Alice, oh, and they God, have yeah. all these quotes from Alice in Wonderland all over the walls. And at the time, was it Far Cry Two was coming out or something? Far Cry or Three is the one that uh, that that's the one that randomly started off with a bunch of Alice in Wonderland quotes. Yeah, it was the Far Cry with the rich assholes, as fully yeah. it serves. Um, yeah, Far Cry 3 had all these 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 Alice in Wonderland th- quotes no in it. To- well, and what's great is that I'm watching this and I'm like, maybe, maybe despite all this grim, dark awfulness, maybe it'll be good. And one of Evie's only lines in the trailer is, he keeps pulling me through the looking glass. <laughs> I'm oh, like, no! God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy.
boy. I mean, you know, I will say this. I am in a position where I can only be surprised by how good it is. Um, <laughs> looks like one of the missions in the DLC, you have to steal a truckload of insulin for your brother who's now diabetic and, and overweight. Not massively so, but he's just got, yeah. You're really fixated on the idea of these guys getting fat. <laughs> I like the idea. Well, I love the idea of revisiting characters that are 20 years older now and have to be real people and can't be young, sexy action stars. I like the idea that, like, the world would shift to, like, they actually have to do, like, more, like, oh, we need to go get insurance. Or, like, we have to, like, you know, I don't know. Like, real... St- I would 100% believe that Jacob, 20 years from now, has terrible gout. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Home. With his foot up all day. Yeah, that's, actually yeah, do anything. yeah it's, it's, uh, that would be very, very in character. Anyway, let's continue. Did you know that now Idris Elba may be playing Roland in the Dark Tower, whatchamacallit? Annie, tell me about this. Uh, Roland is the cowboy guy, right? He's the protagonist? Yeah, he is the... Um, I'm sorry, I just got texted a, a message from somebody. Uh, yeah, he is the cowboy protagonist of the whole Dark Tower series, and technically Stephen King's entire... Sin- like. Uh, his entire book world, Roland, is kind of like the main hero. Uh, and uh, a lot of people are upset because uh, in the books he's described essentially as being Clint Eastwood from the Man With No Name books. But now it sounds like uh, the people threatening to make this movie are threatening to uh, hire Idris Elba to play this character, um, which would be great. And, of course, people are like, oh, he's a white guy. Why are you going to cast Idris Elba? It's totally the James Bond bullshit. And then even Stephen King came out this week and said, I don't care as long as he takes care of his quartet, which is his little gang of, of people who help him. Uh, as long as, like, it doesn't matter what he does. As long as, you know, as long as he fits the character. It doesn't matter what he looks like. I never, you know, it's fine if he doesn't look like Clint Eastwood. It's okay. So, But, of course, there's fans out there going, Arr! these movies are going to be terrible. Roland being a black guy is going to be the least problematic parts of any of these movies if they ever get made, which they're not. So I, if this is all just wishing on a head of a pin at this point, but yeah. now I really want them to cast Scott Eastwood because he's <laughs> he looks like his dad yeah! and he is such a bad actor. That's what I mean, that's I wouldn't. Yeah, if if they're going to made like a fucking live made for lifetime TV movie of the 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 the, the mm-hmm. Dark Tower stuff, which the Dark Tower stuff is also terrible. Uh, having Scott Eastwood play Roland would not be like that. Would be in keeping with with the, with the source material. Um, oh boy. But yeah, so this sounds like it would be Idris Elba versus Matthew McConaughey as Randall Flagg. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, part of the yeah yeah. So Idris Elba though, I'd be kind of curious to see what he looks like in a all dressed up as a fucked up like like fifty year old Idris cowboy. Elba as a cowboy is the only way you could get me to watch a Dark Tower thing because. <laughs> Like, he also needs to get, like, his fingers get bitten off, and he needs to lose his mind because a friend of his dies in one universe but is still alive in the other, and his mind can't reconcile. Like, I don't know. That's... Oh, I, I, Idris Elba could give good crazy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He could do that real well. Yeah. Which, the only, th- the only thing that kind of concerns me, too, is if he, like, takes this Roland thing, I wonder if that would keep him from playing James Bond if they ever actually uh, offer it to him, so who knows. He's dude's too old to play James Bond. They need a young dude. They need to cast somebody who's, like, That is the like, thing in... about, yeah, it's not James, it's not about uh, Elba being black as much. He's, isn't he already as, at least as old, if not older, than Daniel Craig? Let's see. Idris Elba is 43. Yeah. And Daniel Craig is 47. It's still not good. Yeah, he's right behind. He's essentially one movie behind him in terms of like, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, even oh, if he boy. made like just three James Bond movies, he would be in his mid fifties by the. And that that's like when that that's as old as Daniel uh, or Roger Moore was, who was the oldest James Bond. Yeah, no, yeah, eligible. He's too old. That's sad. Uh, here's the next piece of the Geek Week review that I totally understand the context of. <laughs> Bill notes in all caps. Protect your neck, Martin Shkreli. <laughs> so you may have heard about this, Martin. I guess his name is Shkreli, last name? Um, He's the butthole who, he's the head of that um, AIDS medicine company. Oh, he's the, he's the pharma asshole. Yeah! I like that I just did a search for him, and one of the suggested images is a picture of him where his neck has been uh, photoshopped into uh, a ball sack. <laughs> Um, people pointed out that if they ever make a movie about this guy, they need to get, what's his name? Joe Latruglio from Brooklyn Nine-Nine to play him. <laughs> yes. Which is actually true. completely accurate. Uh, yeah, so this is the guy who you know, decided to, like, to increase the cost of his AIDS medication by, like, 3,000%. Because he was like, oh, you gotta make a profit somehow. Um, this, this story, uh, mixes with the, it's so... A little backstory. The Wu-Tang Clan earlier this year announced that they were going to release an album. They were only going to release one copy of this album, and they were going to sell it for like a million dollars. And they weren't going to make any other copies of this album. It would just be that one copy, and they were going to sell it for like a bazillion dollars. I don't know if they were like selling it for charity or what, but the, there was a big thing. Like Supposedly that even within the Wu-Tang Clan, there were a couple guys saying, what the hell are we doing? Why are we just making one copy of this one album that we're spending all year working on? Uh, so uh, they sold the album to an undisclosed buyer. The buyer came out this week. Turns out it's this Martin Shkreli guy, this total piece of shit, um, which everyone's like, oh, man, that sucks. And it's Wu-Tang Clan because everyone loves Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, but the Wu-Tang Clan did po- uh, point out that in the contract that this guy signed for this w- one Wu-Tang album, that the Wu-Tang Clan does reserve the right to try to steal the album back. And yeah, I not only see that, this. Or... Bill Murray is allowed to try to steal the album back because they're best friends with like Bill Murray too. <laughs> um, so who knows what's going to happen here? This, this whole thing just sounds like some kind of weird, like marketing wet dream or some kind of, I don't know. It just, yeah. So, but AIDS guy has the Wu-Tang album. Someone needs to steal it back. Mm-hmm. It is really mm-hmm. weird. And lastly, today is the 30th anniversary of the release of a very important piece of motion picture history, and Bill includes an animated GIF in our notes, which makes for really good radio, <laughs> of uh, the infamous flames, as in flames, on the, the sides side of, of my face. face. <laughs> yes, today. And is it the 30th anniversary of Clue? Yeah, Clue came out on December 13th, 1985, to almost entirely Bill- empty theaters. <laughs> You know what's really upsetting about Clue, though? It only has four endings. This is true. <laughs> this is true. And you only, you can only, de- depending which which theater you line yourself with. I mean, your choices barely matter, really. <laughs> but hey, you, you know what? Vaccine? At least at least when you pop in uh, uh, Clue in your Blu-ray player, at least it works. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Imagine true. a version of Clue um, where suddenly characters just dis- disappear right out of the scene and you have to go like look <laughs> for them to see if they come back. Oh, man, buddy. I can only imagine you playing. I really want you to play New Vegas real bad just because I feel like it's going to put Fallout 4 in a lot of perspective. <laughs> um, no, Clue 
is I got I hope I hope to God everybody listening has seen Clue. Clue is the definition of a movie where you hear like this is an adaptation of a dumb thing and you're like there's no way that can be good yeah. and it is actually amazing. Yeah. Uh John Landis was one of the writers. Mm-hmm. It's some good shit. Yeah, I will really have to dig it up in the show notes, but someone came up with a great just like just like not 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 even like an oral history of Clue, but just like breaking down just like how Clue got made and what was it? John Landis came up with the idea, like, oh man, it would be fun if we just made it like a murder mystery just based off the clue game, because everyone loves this clue game yeah. so much. You like you it's a blank slate to kind of come up with any kind of wacky thing you want. And he like he tried to get Tom Stoppard to write a version of the script, and Tom Stoppard was like, I see what you're going for, but I don't know how you can write a version <laughs> of this movie that's gonna have four different endings. Like, how do you do that? Like that <laughs> yeah. and all the endings yeah. have to make sense. Like you can't just like yeah. make up shit. Like they all have to be Logist, logist logically like an extension of everything you see in the first two three uh, first uh, two acts of the movie and but then john landis found this r- random guy from england who was like that's a really good idea i love murder mystery stuff i will write this script for you and then he wrote the script and then john uh, it took the guy long enough to write the script that john landis could no longer direct the movie so john landis is like you want to direct the movie too and he was like yeah I like this. I wrote this. I will direct the movie too. And he made it and no one saw it. And that kind of murdered his film career. But oh, you know what? If you're going to, if you're going to have one movie. Yeah. Clue is not a bad one. Yeah. Clue is Man, like Eileen Brennan and Madeline Kahn are so good in that movie. <laughs> fucking it's Eileen fucking Brennan. I uh, just, even the characters and how they fucking fit, like their delicious. character's name, like Eileen Brennan is such a perfect Mrs. Peacock where she got like peacock flowers and like her little so feathers good. in her hair and just like, fucking michael, michael mckean is so good that you know what this movie does have one of my favorite lines in the history of the world one of the endings is um uh uh i think it's i think it's um uh michael mckean who's like they asked him like what are you gonna do now and he's like i'm gonna go home and fuck my wife that's the last <laughs> line of the movie he says that in flash frames and cuts to credits that is how the movie ends <laughs> which is so especially because he's like the one like like really kind of like neurotic like nerdy guy throughout the whole movie it turns out he's an act and just like oh god yeah fucking the whole movie yeah tim curry is the butler um tim curry is so good uh christopher lloyd is great in it yeah Um, i guess um on the most recent season of community they started introducing a lot of the characters parents and the character mm -hmm. of britta they introduced her parents who are played by martin mall and Who's the sexy lady in this movie? That's not Madeline Kahn. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Purple? Wait, who's the the kind of sexy? Oh, Miss Scarlet. Yeah, Scarlet. Yeah, it's it's those two. Essentially, it's a nod to Clue. For some reason, they decided to cast a mm. uh, uh, yeah uh, Colonel Mustard and Scarlet in as her parents mm-hmm. on on uh, uh, Community this year. So it's it's uh, that movie. Yeah, no, it's got damn cute. It's so funny because in my mind, I always confuse when I was growing up. I always confused Clue and Murder by Death. Yeah. Which because Murder by both, Death is good, too. It's not. It's funny, though, because you watch it and you think in your mind's eye, you're like, which is going to hold up better? Yeah. It's going to be Murder by Death, right? But it's not. It's totally Clue. Clue is much Which better I think than Murder, Murder by, by Death, Death also has, like, Eileen Brennan, too. I think it does also have Eileen the, Brennan, It shares yeah. some DNA with... with it's not the <laughs> idea of, like, a comic murder mystery made, like, in the 80s. And the difference is, is that um, Murder by Death is riffing on detectives, like famous detectives. Exactly, so you have yeah. your your knockoff Sam Spade, you have your knockoff Nick and Nora. Um, yeah, and it's 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 just also dumb. like it's, clearly, it's, it's, like it's set in the fifties, so there's a lot of communism, kind of like hysteria stuff baked into the plot, and it's kind of like makes mm-hmm. fun of a lot of that stuff, and just. You know, Clue love they love to make 
themed clue sets. I wonder if there is a Clue the Movie themed clue Which set out there. Which how they not do? Because that is like, <laughs> Clue the Movie makes Clue the Game. Like, I've, you know, but I've never seen that. That's a really good point. I mean, I guess you'd have to get the likeness rights for all the actors and stuff. It may be kind of an expensive set to put together. Although 30 years after the fact, you'd think that everyone would appreciate the extra paycheck. But, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that movie and fucking, yeah, Madeline Kahn. Holy shit in that movie. Yeah, it's so good. The movie's so, so good. Oh, oh clue. clue. Beautiful. Well, friends, this was uh, the Boy Hattie Podcast. Please stop listening and go watch Clue. Um, we'll watch Clue back. while you're standing in line for Star Wars. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're Boy Hattie Podcast on Twitter. BoyHattiePodcast.com is our website. Uh, we will talk to y'all next week about... Uh, maybe, maybe, if we can Star survive Wars. this week. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how, how things go. But uh, we'll talk to you soon, friends. Okay, take care, guys. Use the Force. Something, something. Star Wars quote. Family Guy. This is what it sounds like in the Family Guy room. Writers room. Uh, I'm gonna Bill. I'm gonna here. I'll, I'm gonna try to see Star Wars next week. That's yeah. Wait, is that a quote? Is that a reference? <laughs> that was an alley oop. I'm trying to. No. Wait. What? Never mind. <laughs> you could say that I could do or do not. Oh, there is no try. I get it. I see what you're now doing. Now you get it. Stay tuned for more Bohatty and more hot takes like this. <laughs> we'll talk to y'all next week. <laughs> Take care, guys.